Greetings fellow captains and welcome back to Rank Amateur. This week on Rank Amateur we do not have a specific ship to go over. That is because I was going to do the North Carolina and was planning to do it and getting all the stuff lined up and I still can't figure out how to play this ship in 10 or post 10.0 update and that's because it's really not that great of a ship and I really don't have like a good strategy to play it so I'm going to try playing it for a few more battles and get like some sort of, uh, I guess, way to play it down, like a foolproof way to play it, um, and then I will come back to you guys in two weeks or so. So for right now, we got a bit of a bonus episode. We're going to go over what should have been done in World War II to allow the Axes to win. Now, I don't support any violation of human rights or anything like that that was committed by the Axes during the duration of the war. I am simply going over what the Axis could have done to win against the Allies, who were uh, vastly outnumbering them in that war. But that's after the break and World of Warships news. Alright, so news in World of Warships. Well, 10.2 came out, and that's not a huge update. Um, they did introduce the Marco Polo uh, and Italian Battleships Part 2. The Marco Polo, um, from what I've heard, it's kind of a disappointing ship. All it is is basically an Italian battleship that has 16-inch uh, guns, and that's uh, not super uh, special, really, it, because of the fact that that a lot of other ships have 16-inch guns, and it loses out on its exhaust smoke generator, and it's just kind of meh in all respects. I think really the Pomeran is a bit, is a better choice, just because it provides a more unique gameplay, I guess a more uh, active gameplay. This seems to be a very much, like, kind of sit towards the back and snipe, from what I've seen. Now, it could be different. I have I don't have this ship, and I don't plan to get this ship either, but... Um, if, if you like playing from long range, I think this is a ship that might be interesting. I just don't think it offers that much uniqueness to it. Um, they also introduced the Austin, which has been all the rage. It was a Tier 10 uh, American cruiser that did replace the um, Somers. I'm a little disappointed about that because the Somers was an actual real ship, and the Austin, I don't even know if it was actually designed. Basically what the Austin is, it's a Tier 10 um, Atlanta with 130mm guns, I think, and, um, uh, no, 127mm guns, dual purpose, and has unlimited reload booster consumables. You may think, well, that's going to be really overpowered, right? Well, I mean, it does have, like, something around a 6 or 8 second reload on its guns, so that's, that's a bit on the long side, but it does have a lot of them. And the reload booster does not cut the reload time in half. It cuts it down by 75%, meaning you literally have like a two-second reload or less. I think it's like a 1.5 or something if you spec into it. I I watched a, part of a Sea Lord Mountain Mountain video on uh, this ship, and it was a clip sent into him by a person who does have this ship. It was able to kill a full health Des Moines in 15 seconds. Just, just let that sink in for a little bit. So, but Des Moines has got around, 
like 55-ish thousand health. I don't know the exact number, but it's around that. It killed it in 15 seconds. 15 seconds. I mean, besides a battleship citadeling it, um, you really can't... There's no other ship that can do that in the game. I think even the Smolensk would struggle to do that. And the Austin can do it without even thinking. And it's it's not like it has to, like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't spend my reload booster here, or I need to think about this because I only have a certain amount of charges as a reload booster. No, pop it. You, even if it was a wrong timing of you popping it, you just have to wait another minute and you're fine. You got unlimited charges. Yeah, so I think Austin's going to be one of those ships where it gets nerfed into the dust and then no one wants it anymore. So it does carry uh, two quintuple uh, tube torpedo launcher mounts. I don't know the range of that. Um, she also has hydroacoustic search and de separate and uh, defensive AA fire in separate slots. Um, and she's armed with sap shells instead of AP shells. So they basically just are AP shells that don't ricochet for all intensive purposes on a cruiser. They're just AP shells that don't ricochet. Um, so yeah, I guess if you're, uh, in a position to buy a steel ship, you might want to buy the Austin, because it looks pretty dang good. And then they also int introduced the, uh, um, what is it, the big hunt battles. I'm not going to really go over that. I believe I did go over that, um, in my last podcast. I actually tried this battle. I played one battle, and that was enough for me to decide that I really didn't like this. It, I mean, some people really like it. It's a really easy way to farm credits, but I just I I value the historicalness of World of Warships, and this just kind of throws it out of the window. And plus, everything's extreme. You get like torpedoes that go 400 knots, and sh battleships that can go 60 knots with a speed boost, and uh, heals that work in like four seconds and heal like most of your ship's health back. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that's interesting. Uh, and there's not really that much else in news. It's just uh, looking back at Italian battleships. But there's really not that much else. Uh, there is a new thing that they're doing on their YouTube channel. It's uh, called um, like a cinematic sort of series that they're doing. And they're giving away like promo codes and stuff when you if you watch those videos so i kind of recommend watching those videos i watch i had the time to watch a few minutes of one and uh, i think i got one promo code out of that and i it was for a combat mission that gets you like a million credits which is which is pretty dang good for a singular combat mission so that's about it for world of warships news we'll be back with what germany should have done to defeat the british royal navy right after the break all right, welcome back to Rank Amateur. And we were just about to discuss what Germany should have done to beat the British Royal Navy. So, before we discuss what Germany should have done, let's list off what Germany did wrong. And now there's many things. Um, notably the fact that they didn't have much of a navy. They did have many submarines, but they didn't have any surface combatants. And submarines are not very good against large capital ships because capital ships are usually escorted by many destroyers anti-submarine escorts which are well as their name suggests very good at hunting and killing submarines and so those smaller ships are not very good at hunting enemy capital ships that's what other capital ships are for and the germans to their credit were building very good capital ships the German battleship Bismarck was able to hold off 60 ships before it finally sank and was able to severely damage uh, the brand new British battleship Prince of Wales and sink the brand, or not the brand new, but uh, the 
battlecruiser HMS Hood, which was literally the pride of the Royal Navy. It was a serious morale like hit that the Royal Navy took. So why didn't Germany, if they were building such good ships, win against the Royal Navy? Well, that's because they kept sending their ships out unescorted. They would send them out one by one, and the Royal Navy could easily take one ship at a time. I mean, you look at Admiral Graf Spee, she was literally on her own in the uh, southern Atlantic and got focused down by th three cruisers at the Battle of River Plate and was damaged enough that she had to be scuttled. Now, I can't help but think that if those... If uh, the Admiral Graf Spee was in a fleet or in a squadron with some other German destroyers or maybe a battleship or something like that, that they would have had a better result come from that. And that's just because the British couldn't send just three light cruisers after them. Or, well, technically the Exeter's a heavy cruiser, but it was armored like a light cruiser. Um, they couldn't just send three cruisers after it and expect themselves to win. I mean... Britain literally could have lost all three of those cruisers and still have been out of game. That's because Britain had so many more ships than Germany had that they could just afford to throw themselves at the German ships. And as long as they were to, able to inflict some damage on those German ships, the mission would be successful. So what Germany really needed to do is group their ships up because there is protection in numbers, and that is very, very true in naval combat. That's what the British did. They didn't, you didn't see uh, anything going alone. I mean, the, one could argue that the Prince of Wales and HMS Hood should have been escorted more, but they kind of were. Um, cruisers HMS Norfolk and Suffolk were trailing the Bismarck and Prince Eugen for a very long time. Now, they didn't necessarily fire on them uh, until much later in the conflict, or in the chase, rather. But still, the British always sailed in groups. And look at USS Indianapolis. They It didn't sail in a group. It was one of the few U.S. Navy ships that was sailing alone, and guess what happened to it? It was sunk by a submarine. Now, if that thing was escorted by destroyers, yeah, maybe it would have sunk, but they would have probably been able to get the submarine. Uh, it's hard to sink a submarine when your ship is sinking as well. And another mistake that Germany made was they tried to invade the Soviet Union. And initially they were very successful, but the number one rule of war is that you should not be invading Moscow in the winter. That has always been Ger uh, Russia's greatest ally. I mean, look at the Napoleonic Wars. <laughs> the French basically marched all the way to Moscow. Except for the fact that Winter was like, Oh no, you're not taking my city, comrade. We are going to put you back into France where you belong. And pushed them all the way back to France because of the cold. Yeah, Winter always comes to Russia's aid. Now, if they would have simply kept Russia as an ally, because Russia does have access to significant oil and steel reserves, they could have built themselves a navy and been able to power it and defeat the British Royal Navy, and then go back and take the Soviets. Because the Soviets were nowhere near able to build themselves their own navy. Germany had access to shipyards and was building their own ships. Russia, most of their ships were built in foreign countries. I mean, the Ganga class of uh, battleships was really outdated. They would have their butts kicked by even just one German battleship. Because they just couldn't shoot as far. The... A German battleship, assuming it saw them, would be able to just shoot at them 
without even being in the Russian battleship's range. Some people point that if they would have laid longer, they would have been uh, the Soviets would have been able to finish the Sovetsky Soyuz class. That may be true, but the the Soviets had never built a battleship themselves. Really, the Ganga class was built by Italian designs. I mean, you look at the uh, Dante Alighieri or whatever, the, the Tier 4 Italian battleship, and then you look at the Tier 4 Russian battleship, they looked very, very similar, and that's because the Russians just adapted the Italian design to fit their specifications. The Soviet Union would not have been able to defend itself on the naval side of things. Now, I don't know if going through um, the or going through Poland would have been the best idea for a German attack. I think the best idea would be go through, going through Finland. Uh, the Finnish already hate the Russians. They had to fight a winter war against them, and they did kick the Soviets' butts, even though they were outnumbered like a thousand to one. Uh, it, yeah, that's uh, if you ever want to read about the Winter War, even just the Wikipedia article is interesting. The Finnish started out with 32 tanks and ended the battle or it ended the war with more tanks than they started with because they captured so many Soviet tanks. Uh, the Soviet Union was fairly desperate to explain why hundreds of thousands of men could be stopped in their tracks by a few Finns hiding behind rocks with guns. Like, uh, so you can see that the Soviets really don't know how to fight a war. If we would have, or not we, if the Germans would have invaded from the north, per se, they could have taken Mo Moscow fairly easily. They would have had to go through the Soviet Navy, but the Soviet Navy was in no place to repel a well-armed and well-trained German Navy. And some people might be thinking, well, you'd have to go through the British Royal Navy to get all the way around um, to... Uh, Norway and north of, or yeah, in the north of the Soviet Union. Yes, you would. But if you didn't invade the Soviet Union right away and took out the British Royal Navy first, you wouldn't have to worry about the British Royal Navy now, would you? So that's the first thing that Germany did wrong and that they shouldn't have done. They shouldn't have invaded the Soviet Union. They should have been more patient to go after the Soviet Union. Because the Soviet Union was giving them supplies. They were giving them oil, or not giving, I mean, you had to pay for it. So they were uh, handing them over steel and oil and things to keep the German war machine powered. And the, why Hitler would have attacked the Soviet Union for any other reason than ethnic hatred just boggles my mind. Why would you attack the very thing that's keeping your war machine alive? I don't know. But if he would have just left the Soviet Union alone, he could have concentrated on Britain, which was now... It was standing alone against Germany. And Germany was had a war machine that was just churning and churning and churning and wouldn't stop. It would have steamrolled Britain if they wouldn't have done something stupid like invade the Soviet Union. People point to, well, British cities were holding up remarkably well, and the RAF was holding up remarkably well against German air power. And yeah, to that I say, why didn't you build a navy? You knew you were going to have to cross the English Channel, which the Royal Navy kept really tight in its control, to get to Britain. I mean, even if you would have subdued British cities, you still would have had to get through the Royal Navy and the English Channel. 
If Hitler would have just waited a few more years for the Bismarck, the Tirpitz, the O-class battlecruisers, maybe the Graf Zeppelin to be completed, he could have forced his way through the English Channel. And while the Royal Navy would have probably responded fairly quickly, they would still have to pull themselves all the way from the Far East Fleet and from like Australia and things like that to, because the Grand Fleet would have been defeated. He just needed to defeat the Grand Fleet, which is a big undertaking. But many people forget that the Grand Fleet was mostly made of ships that were built around World War I. They're slow, they are haven't modernized, but they don't have the biggest guns, they're not super accurate, and the Germans, they had the most modern ships in the world. Now, some people are pointing to, well, what about the King George V class of German battleships? Well, yeah, but those are not really battleships. They're more of a battlecruiser type thing. They're not super well armored. They have small guns, smaller than the uh, German battleships, and they're less accurate than the German battleships. I know in the game of World of Warships, they're, they're more accurate than the German battleships, but in real life, German battleships were very accurate. The German battleships could effectively outpace everything and outgun everything in the British Royal Navy. The only ships that were capable of catching their sh uh, them would be HMS Hood. Then you got the Re battleship Repulse and Renown, I think. There's like three ships in the Royal Navy that could have caught up. And people point to, well, what about HMS Nelson and Rodney? Those things are slow and very poorly armored. And, I mean, the side armor is... It protects the citadel of the ship fairly well but the ends of the ship are not well armored and that is because of the washington naval treaty they tried to concentrate the protection around the turrets and the engine room in the center of the ship and left the ends of the ship very uh, unarmored so theoretically you should be able to penetrate it from the front or the rear so let's say hitler does this right so he takes over france because france was completely unprepared or, well, not completely underprepared, but Germany was way more prepared than France was. So, take over France. Now, you can still bomb the British cities. That's a good idea. Just kind of weaken British morale. And then you should target Portsmouth, because that is the main British naval base, then Scapa Flow, because there's a lot of the Grand Fleet that's based there. And then, obviously, the miscellaneous RAF bases to try and prevent an air response. And then you should sail out of the Netherlands or Hamburg or wherever your ships are and then sail out of there into the English Channel and try to get the Grand Fleet that's probably been scattered around based on your air attacks and secure the English Channel. Once you secure the English Channel, you need to go across there as quickly as possible and get men onto the uh, British Isles and establish a beachhead. That's, that's what needed to happen. The problem is that Germany stretched its resources so thin that it was not able to fight the war properly. Because you have the Soviets on one side and the British on another, and what don't you ever want to do in a war scenario? You don't want to get caught in a crossfire. I mean, look at World of Warships. When you get caught in a crossfire, someone's always got your broadside, which means you're always going to get punished. Now, if you could have attacked just Britain, just Britain, you would have been able to eventually get through there. You could have bombed their ships. You could have sent your U-boats into the English Channel to clear out the capital ships. And once you clear out the capital ships, you could have been able to go in there with the Bismarck, the Tirpitz, 
your destroyers, the Prince Eugen, the Admiral Hipper, and uh, the Grash Bay, because if you wouldn't have sent the Grash Bay out, it wouldn't have gotten focused down and sunk, and uh, Deutschland, and all those cruisers, and been able to sink the British Grand Fleet. And that's because German ships, one-on-one, were just better than British ships. British ships were from the 1930s and things, and they had small guns, they had very poor armor, they weren't super accurate, they weren't really as fast as most of the German ships, and they their safety was in numbers. But if you can kind of scatter around their numbers because you're sinking a, a battleship here, a cruiser here with your uh, U-boats, you could have taken English Channel. Take the English Channel, take London, and then more or less the United Kingdom falls after that. They'll probably evacuate to the United States, and the United States will declare war. Well, because remember, United States hasn't, like, gotten its industrial machine up yet, which means that most of their ships, like the British, are from World War One, and they're from the 1920s. I mean, their battleships are very slow, and they're not super well-armed. They are well-armored, but they aren't super well-armored. So theoretically, I mean, you're home free, even if you attack the United States. Now... What should have happened is Hitler should have waited. He should not have invaded Poland. He should have waited till he could get the O-class battleships set up. He waited should have waited till he could get the H-class battleships in the water. He should have waited till he could get a few more aircraft carriers in the water because he had those resources coming in from the Soviet Union. Now, what about Japan? Well, Japan was kind of its own thing. There should have been more cooperation there. Now... Japan really has always kind of been, or at least up until this point, a bit on the selfish side. They more or less have just wanted territory. I mean, Germany is the same way. They all just want territory of their own. And if they would have been able to work together, I'm convinced they would be able to take over the world. And I know that's like a lot of, you see that a lot of documentaries that's over dramatic, but what if... What if Japan sent the Imperial Japanese Navy, rather than attacking China, would have sent the Imperial Japanese Navy to go assist Germany in dealing with the Royal Navy? The U.S. was still very much like, oh, we're not going to... They're, they're very hands-off on these conflicts. All they are doing is supplying Britain with weapons and food. If they would have submitted to the U.S.'s demands of pulling out of China... Because China is discombobulated. They would have just crumbled by themselves because there's still a communist revolution going on. And China's just in pieces. It's not very much of a threat for anybody. That's why Japan was basically able to take over China. So if Japan would have sent their ships, because remember, they do have a massive navy that's very much a threat to everybody. If they would have been able to send send their navy over in between their naval power and the German naval power, because they would have had more time to collect themselves and build those O-class ships and the H-class ships and more aircraft carriers, they would have absolutely been able to take the English Channel. And if they would have been able to take the English Channel, they could have used Japanese troops and troop transports to take the British Isles, and then they would have been able to take Britain and capture that, and then, therefore, the Royal Navy would now be under their control. So they have taken over, effectively, everything, because we know that French uh, Africa is theoretically under German control, now British Africa is under German control, India is under German control, and then uh, you have Australia, who's still standing against the Japanese, but isn't that much of a threat, that's still going to be rebellious in Canada and the United States. But none of them could outpace the French Navy 
or the British Royal Navy, or the German Navy, or the Japanese Navy. Because all those navies could theoretically combine, right? Because the French Navy, theoretically, is under the control of the German Navy, or Germany. Uh, And the British Royal Navy, theoretically, at this point, is under control of the Germans. So they could have easily swept through Australia, taken that, and then given that to Japan, because Japan had been working the hardest for it. Therefore, they're both happy, because they both have giant empires. All right, so now we have the Soviet Union. Okay, now they have their Sovetsky Soyuz class battleships. NASA Knights. Uh, now Germany's had time to build their H class battleships, and the Soviet Union's now fell because, with the combined might of Germany, Britain, and France, they couldn't survive. You'd be being attacked from both sides. Japan would just push straight through Siberia, and Germany would be able to push straight through Moscow, and they could meet in the middle and split it. Well, now we have the United States. Now, this is going to be a tough nut to crack because the United States, even though they're a bit behind, they still have quite the industry. And not to mention the fact they would have to battle U.S. citizens because U.S. citizens, uh, I believe the ratio of guns to people in U.S. is like 200 to 1 or something like that. So, uh,. It wouldn't be a fairly tough nut to crack, but once you got Hawaii, because you could just do a Pearl Harbor and like take everything out there, you could just bomb Pearl Harbor, like discombobulate them, and like maybe the next day or so, sail your troop transports in, take Hawaii. There you go. All right, so you've captured the, or you've either destroyed or captured the American units there, and now you can move back on to. San Francisco. Now that's a fairly tough nut to crack too, because that's the main or one of the main naval bases on the West Coast. You also got San Diego, and the resistance there would be fairly fierce. Which is why it would have been wise for them to go through Canada, because Canada, I mean, they were mostly fighting in the Atlantic theater and the European theater of uh, World War II, they really weren't concerned too much about the Pacific Theater. You could have gone through Canada, kind of established a staging ground and sort of a beachhead, and then pushed your th- way through Washington State and Montana, which really hadn't really been used by the U.S. military. They were really bulked up on the West Coast. So if you come in from the North through obviously Montana, like North Dakota, maybe Minnesota, they'd be completely unprepared up there. We've never really had a large military presence in the Midwest and sort of the western part of the United States. Now we have in the West Coast, but not the western, like the um, sort of Wyoming and stuff. You could have just pushed your way through, separated the United States, which would mean that you could just push in from the east as far on the west coast, and then take over California, have all those naval units and bases and things, and then just push your way east towards Washington. And therefore, you would finally have the United States, and therefore world domination. So you can see that there's so many ways that they could have done this differently. To have a different outcome, to win. This, the amount of stupid, just downright stupid decisions that were made by the Axis powers in World War II is kind of mind-bogglingly. And it's mind-boggling that they weren't shut down earlier. Because they, the Russians, with how many men they had on the Polish border, they shouldn't have been pushed back more than Poland. But they were pushed back all the way to Stalingrad and Leningrad. How did that happen? How pathetic at military strategy do you have to be to let a few, a bit of the German army to push through 
like most of your army, and your army consists of millions upon millions of soldiers. How does that happen? And for France, France should have been more prepared. If Britain would, ha or France would have sent a request to Britain for more troops, they could have held the line better. And like, what is with the Ardennes? Literally, naturally impenetrable? Have they heard of a tank before? Like, tanks don't care. They'll just go over anything in their path and crush it. So why did you not just spread your troops out? And if the Ardennes was not, well, or it was not suitable to build fortifications, why didn't you build a line behind the Ardennes? Like, if you could have stopped the war right there. Right there. And that didn't happen, so France got taken over. Well, that's cool. And now the French Navy is basically under control of the Germans. Now, they did uh, scuttle most of their Navy in Taliwan, I think is how you pronounce it, or Tullion. Oh, that's how you pronounce it, right? Tullion. Um, uh, but they scuttled most of their Navy, including the two twin battleships, uh, Dunkirk and Strasbourg, the Eagle, or most of the Eagle class of destroyers, most of their... Uh, cruisers like the Le Galsonier glass, they lost the, all their navy, and the, those ships, most of whom were brand new. And then you go to Britain, which had to send 60 ships after a single battleship. Like, seriously? I think you could have done that with four. And those four would have been Hood, Prince of Wales, and HMS Norfolk and Suffolk. Or, how about this? Let's not send the unfinished Prince of Wales that literally still has dockyard workers on it to fight the Bismarck, which is, like, the most advanced piece of German technology that they had. Why why not send, like, HMS Rodney or something like that? Or Nelson? Like, why couldn't you just wait a bit and have the Norfolk and Suffolk just trail the Bismarck at a long range? Why couldn't why can't you just have them keep track of where they were and keep the convoys away from the Bismarck while you waited to get heavier units up north towards where they were gonna fight? You didn't need to send Prince of Wales out there. Uh, anyways, but you could have had if you must send the Prince of Wales and HMS Hood, you could have just uh, had them on one side and then had HMS Norfolk and Suffolk come around the other side and shoot at them from two different sides. They would either have to A, split their fire, or B, get shot at from two different sides at once, because you can't angle your your uh, battleship to two different sources. The way I see it, it's a miracle the Axis didn't win. And they were heavily outnumbered, but all they had to do was not create a war of attrition, and somehow they managed to do that. They What they should have done is targeted the English Channel, rather than trying to cut off the English supply lines, because they basically what they did is they mirrored World War One, right? Now, they didn't do the Schlieffen plan where they went through Belgium. They went through the Ardennes to get to France. And they did actually, for, to their credit, they did take over France this time. But they saw about how well it worked out when they were cutting the British supply lines off. It didn't work at all. Why would you just mirror your predecessor's mistakes? Why wouldn't you focus on clearing the English Channel of A, mines, B, Royal Navy warships? And, uh, yeah, I guess there's only two there. Um, but, so clearly... English Channel of your Royal Navy warships and the mines that are there and aircraft, but it's hard to clear the channel of aircraft. And then send your troop transports over there to take them. 
What they should have done, and some German high commanders knew this, they can't just sit there and lay siege to somewhere for a long time because they're not going to win that war of attrition. They don't have as many supplies. They can't, they can't build as many bombs as the United States and the UK can. I mean, all Germany is, is it's a power in Europe. The UK is a power in the world. They needed quick and decisive action. Like what happened in France. They were quick and decisive and hit the French so hard they didn't know what hit them. Okay, well, they did know what hit them, but, like, you get the point. They they didn't have time to react. And that's what they should have done with the UK. They were on a roll. They needed to keep it going. And they lost the roll, so the British had time to fend them off. And then they had time to kind of strike back. They pushed back Italy and Egypt and the Af uh, German Africa Corps. They pushed them back and out, and then they st started uh, through Italy. And that forced Hitler to put more of his forces, or divide his forces even further. So now he's not fighting on two fronts. He's fighting on three. That is, like, never a good idea. Because if you must fight on two fronts, yeah, it's doable. But it's very rare for someone to be successful with limited resources and fighting on three fronts. Like, your enemy would literally have to be so incompetent that you'd have a kill-to-death ratio, or your soldiers would have a kill-to-loss ratio of, like, a thousand to one. That's more or less what the Soviets and the British and the Americans could afford to throw at the Germans. The Germans would run out of men before the Allies would. So they had to make their men more efficient. And they were. And then there's also the point of the Germans, like, the diverting their resources into uh i guess the wrong like the wrong places because you have like the gustav the gustav rail cannon well that was fairly pointless or at least it had potential to be uh, to be a useful asset but yeah i don't think it was really built right and this is because it uh, had to have a crew of 2000 could only uh, rotate the gun like one degree either direction so they had to use tracks that were able to rotate to rotate the gun and it would only fire like four or five shells a day that's how long this thing took to reload so you think your 16 inch guns on the uh, marco polo take long to reload yeah how about trying to fire like one shot of battle you could have diverted those men and that's just the men that it took to fire the gun not even the support staff and the cooks and stuff like that and the guards, to, you could use those people to, like, build a battleship, which a battleship will do far more for you than a big land gun will, because what is a big land gun? It's a big target. So all it would take is the some Royal Air Force or Soviet Air Force aircraft to come spot it and bomb it and damage it beyond repair, and there's, like, several hundred tons of metal that are gone and probably a few hundred men that are not usable anymore why wouldn't you just throw them on a battleship and send them to the royal navy as a good news package see this is what i'm talking about like there are so many things that could have gone differently in world war ii to lead to an axis victory and i think we are very very lucky that we had a more people b i would say better minds on our side to outwit the axes and defeat them because 
There were so many ways that that war could have gone differently, and I'd love to hear about the ways that you think it could have gone differently. So if you'd like to send me an email, the email is rankamateurpodcast at gmail.com. Also, tell your friends about the podcast. I'd love some more listeners. And I do have a merchandise store that is linked in the description, and I will try my very best for next week to get a How to Play podcast on USS North Carolina together for next week, or not next week, uh, next fortnight. Uh, it's just been really hard for me to figure out like a foolproof way to play the ship, because you play the ship one way in one battle, it works tremendously. 133,000 damage works tremendously. You play it the same way in another battle, instantly deleted, 30,000 damage. Well, you can see my dilemma here is just trying to find a foolproof way to get this ship to work, and I'm starting to think that there really isn't a way. So, I guess, until next time, Captains...